Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the 10th podcast of the What's Hot podcast, where we spotlight sustainable solutions and we get to hear more of the background story behind our inspiring ecopreneurs. And I'm sitting here in Worcester with Craig and Deb Van Battenberg from ACDC. They'll tell you more about it and themselves, and we're going to learn a bit about their journey, what drives them, and some of the frequently asked questions that you guys may have regarding electric vehicles or EVs and hybrids if you're thinking about maybe going for a more green vehicle or you know somebody who is interested. So thanks again for tuning in without further ado. So so Craig and Deb, thanks for having us at your shop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Terrific. Absolutely. So just briefly, and I know it's it's it could go yeah. on we could go on because you're so fascinating, the two of you. <laughs> um, but just please introduce yourself to our audience and if you can also tell us a little bit more about what you do here at ACDC. All right. I'm Deb Van Battenberg, Craig's partner in the business. I have been uh, with this part of the business since 1999. Uh, when Craig got the training uh, contract for the state, I became a partner in that part of our business. I work on creating uh, enrollments for our clients. I take care of people once they have decided to come and train with us. I do my own speaking engagements. I'm an automotive management trainer, and I write for Auto Inc. Magazine Wow! on soft skills, how to keep people employed in the business. So you're just another slacker out there, Deb. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know? <laughs> another multitasker. You better pick it up. Yes, multitasking, yes. thank goodness. And, yes. you, and, and you mentioned, so just so that our listeners are clear, who would you say is your target audience, the people that you're really reaching out to? Who are, you, who are your The people that I'm interfacing with all the time are shop, uh, independent shop owners, uh, automotive technicians, automotive uh, adjunct people who may be creating a product for the automotive industry, college professors, high school teachers, and then the person who comes up with a new idea and they want to test it out here. Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Craig, tell us a bit more yeah. about yourself. And also, the contract we got was the emissions training program. So back in 1999, if you were in Worcester, anywhere in Massachusetts, your car wanted a chassis dynamometer, and we tested your emissions while it was under load, while the wheels were spinning. And then if you failed, the state wanted to have certified automotive technicians you could go to to get your car fixed. Mm -hmm. So ACDC, Automotive Pre-Development Center, was here to make sure the air was cleaner, indirectly, by making sure your technician could affordably fix your tailpipe emissions. Yes. Now the good news is we don't even have tailpipes. Mm -hmm. That's great. So it's been mm -hmm. 20 years. We got rid of some tailpipes. Uh, so my part of this, it goes back to growing up in Great Brook Valley housing projects here in Worcester. Single mom, six kids. Got to make some money, right? We're broke. So I learned how to fix bicycles. <laughs> I'm 13. Then I bought a Honda motorcycle while I was at Burncoat Senior High School. And I rode around on my motorcycle, got a little bit of trouble, not a lot, blew the engine up. Of course, you're going to do that when you're a hoodlum. And I brought it to Sportsman Cycle Sales in Holden, Massachusetts. And that was owned by Walter Hancock and Joe Bolger, my heroes. This is 1968. And I'm working part-time at a motorcycle shop. And they fixed my motorcycle, and I didn't have any money. So I had to, like, volunteer for the whole summer. That was all right. And then Joe Bolger said to me, it's 1969, I got drafted to go to Vietnam. I had my draft guard. I didn't really want to go. My father, you know, World War II, Republican. My mother, Worcester-born, Democrat. Two totally different viewpoints on the world. Everything's different. So I kind of followed my mother's lead a little bit. Like, maybe we don't have to kill everybody. She has a bus ticket ready for me to go to Toronto. That's what's going on. I graduate June 1969 from Burncoat. 
the war's raging, and then they had a lottery. And they put a bunch of pieces of paper in a bucket. You can still watch this thing on YouTube. It's really weird. And they spun it around. And a couple of white guys that looked like me pulled a piece of paper out, stuck it up on a board. And I don't know what the first date was, but if that's your birthday, you go to Vietnam tomorrow. I get number 268. That is a big change. Joe Bolger knows me. Uh, my brother was a graduate from Clark University. I'm the second son. Let's go to Clark. No, I want to work on motorcycles. So Joe Bolger... He's still around, up in Barry, Mass. He's 90 years old. Oh, God, he said, Craig, if you're not going to go to college, learn how to work on Honda motorcycles. Because someday they're going to make automobiles, and they're really an interesting company. Mm -hmm. And you'll be employed the rest of your life. I went, what a good idea. So I worked on Honda motorcycles. 1972, I'm at Lundgren Honda, called Richard's Honda, way back on Main Street in Worcester, named South, fixing just motorcycles, and he gets the franchise for cars. So Richard Lundgren passed away in January this year, older guy hired me, I'm there, he says, Craig, you, what do you do when I lay you off every year? Because if you're a motorcycle mechanic in Worcester, you're not working in December, it's too much snow. So I worked for a Tamian Volkswagen back in 1970. I worked for uh, Westboro Toyota in 1972. I had to work on just something in the wintertime, so I was a car mechanic in the winter, but a motorcycle mechanic in the summer, because motorcycles are much more fun. Make a long story short, I, they sent me to Honda School in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the fall of 72. Nixon's the president. And EPA was created that year, and regulations came in that year. All the manufacturers had to have clean cars in 1975. That's when we had catalytic converters. I go to Honda School, and I didn't, I didn't know this until quite a few years ago when Honda told me this. All the franchises that sold cars in 72 were motorcycle dealerships first. So there was a bunch of hoodlums. So I'm down there with the guys who look like me, long-haired, bearded, hippie guy, right? Uh, Bell-bottoms, peace stuff, fixing motorcycle, and now we're going to work on a Honda Civic. Nobody wants to work on a Honda Civic. It has doors and a hood. Everything's in the way. Who wants to work on a Honda Civic? But I have to go. If I want a job, I'm going to go. He said, if you want a job, you got to go. I go. The first four hours of the school had nothing to do with a Honda Civic. Nothing. It had to do with the air. And I learned about hydrocarbons and how bad they were. And carbon monoxide is a poison. Coming out of your tailpipe, you're going to die. And we've got nitrates of oxide, which is going to rot your lungs. I'm 21 years old. I'm going... Oh my God, I'm gonna die. Oil's bad, cars are evil, the world's gonna end. It's funny, I'm 68 years old, I don't feel any different. <laughs> I'm the same guy. Now, I don't have a tailpipe. This is awesome. So I get brainwashed by American Honda for four hours on a Monday morning in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and it set my life's direction. To work on clean cars, be a green auto mechanic in 1972, I was at the first Earth Day at Green Hill Park. I had a picture oh, of it. I, love I, it. It. I had a picture of me at Green Hill Park on the first Earth Day. I've got a 1975 Honda Civic. I've got a bicycle. And I've got a moped. And a little triangular thing that I made, my long hair and beard. And I try to get people in 1975. Think of the cars in 1975. Big American gas guzzling, V8, rear drive, like they're supposed to be, getting 10 miles per gallon, running down the highway. And I'm going, no, you should ride a bicycle. I thought it was a little weird. The weirdness paid off, because I started a garage in 1977, working just on Hondas. We're still in that same place right now, being interviewed. Been a long time, and now we're busy. I got people from all over the world coming here. I'm going all over the world as well, getting automotive technicians to learn how to work on electric cars. We've been doing this for 20 years. Wow. So we've been hybrid cars for 10 years, then plug-in hybrids came out, and then electric cars came out. So somebody once said, Craig, are you trying to save the planet? I said, no. 
But hybrids saved me. Mm. Otherwise, I'd be an angry old man running a shop, working on gasoline cars, feeling like, why, am I, why should I even be here? Wow. What's the point? And now I get to do what I really like, which is to get every technician that wants to, to be ready for the electric cars, which are coming faster than people realize. Right. If you buy any car in Worcester and there's no one there to fix it, it's a lousy car. Mm-hmm. You, should buy your, you should find your technician before you find a car. No one does. But if you went out there and said, okay, I'm going to go find a shop that works on the kind of car that I want to buy. Make sure they're really good. Interview them. Bring them coffee and donuts. They love that. Stop in and interview them. One person ever in 26 years running my shop walked in the door. A woman who just moved to Worcester. Didn't have any coffee. She said, I'm just coming in here because I have a Honda. I just want to know if you're any good. Hmm. I don't need anything yet. Right. I was shocked. I was thrilled. I showed her all around. We met the technicians. She never came in. She didn't like my prices. We were a high-priced shop. But at least she took the time to find out who I was or my certifications. Sure. This is before the Internet. Now you just get on the Internet. Go, you know, right, go right. Website. Well, you guys are really visionaries. I'm so inspired to know you, and I think you're really making what can feel complicated and um, honestly I think when people are either confused or they're not clear even if they want to move in the direction in this case of purchasing a green car they support the environment they want to obviously spend less on gas or nothing on gas but it's overwhelming so I think people tend to have a lot of questions and perhaps concerns, especially when they don't know too much. And if folks want to see, we did a really great under the hood, three different demos here. Um, we were able to be shown specifically what it looks like to see a hybrid electric vehicle. A lot of folks who are listening may be at least familiar have heard of the Toyota Prius. That was a very popular one. And then we also, in the video today, we had a chance to look at the plug-in. EV, and then we're looking also at the EV, which is more all the rage. It's on the rise. When you say yes. plug-in EV, call it a plug-in hybrid. A plug-in hybrid. Because a plug-in hybrid has a gasoline engine. Yeah, that's a great point. And a plug-in EV in, implies that it's just an electric car. So we and went from hybrids to car, hybrids that actually plug in. That's the best of both worlds. You got electric right. drive and hybrid drive, but you can plug it in and then not pollute the planet. And then you can get just the electric car. So. And the electric vehicle, of course, requires a plug-in. But just be- like your phone. Just like your phone. That's yeah. a great way to put it. it. Um, so some of the things, you know, in, in preparing for this exciting interview, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, Amy, I don't know. You know, that sounds good, but, I, you know, am I going to be stuck somewhere? Am I not going to be able to get where I need to be or come home also regarding the infrastructure? If this is newer technology, am I going to be able to find the charging stations that I need or the people who can fix yeah. my car and if not, maybe I'll just go conventional and wait till things get a little bit more easy. So what would you say to some of those people? Well, you've waited. It's, it's been 10 That's years right. since electric cars came out. So mm-hmm. 10 years ago, you would have a big concern because there were very few plugs. So people that bought EVs back in 2010, they were 2011 model years, so that's almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They would buy when they had enough range to go to work and come back again. And in the beginning, that was only like 80 miles. Then the state of Massachusetts got smart and said, wait a minute, why don't we have a charge at work program? Still on, still ongoing, money's in the bank. So if you own a business and you have, I think, 30 parking spots, I'm not sure you can check it out with the state, they will pay up to $25,000 state money to get two charging stations at your parking lot so your employees can now charge at work. Hmm. If they can, they can double the range, right? Right. So I can go 75 miles to work, as long as I can plug in, I can get home again. But now we've got them everywhere to go to plugshare.com, 
locate where you are and take a look at the map, it's going to blow your That's mind. That's amazing, especially we in put mass. In thousands and thousands of charging stations. In Japan last year, more charging stations than gas stations. Wow. So they hit that tipping yeah, point. They're, they're so that point. for those who are listening who want to check out where these stations may be, you can go to plugshare.com. Um, would you say that all the different stations have um, similar capacity in terms of length of time that it would take to charge? That's a problem. Now, there was an entrepreneur in Boston. It didn't happen. Five years ago, I remember reading about a fellow who was going to put like a little traffic signal thing in front of the charging station. Red, green, orange. Then it never happened. It was a shame. It sounded good. It would cost you money. You would reserve a parking spot in a parking lot in Boston that has a charging station. And then <coughs> someone else could reserve it. So when you got there, the light would be flashing red. Don't park here. Someone else is going to park here. Then I can plug in my car and it goes to green. Someone's there. And then yellow was, I'll be out of here in a few minutes. That has not been developed. That needs to be developed. Mm. So you can reserve a spot to charge my car because you don't want to get someplace and either the charger's broken. Right. There's a term called iced out, which everybody has an EV knows. It's when there's an internal combustion engine car parked in that spot. Yes. Down oh. by WCUW radio station that I love on Main Street mm-hmm. is two free charging stations. And it's put there by National Grid on a side street and it'd be EV only. So when WCUW has some music or have some fun, Devin, I like to go. Right. If we take our Nissan Leaf, which is a very old electric car, has very little range, I usually plug it in. So I showed up there about a couple months ago. There's mm. a pickup truck in one spot and a, just a gasoline car in the other. I went into CUW. They made an announcement. and said, does anybody have a car parked across the street because you're blocking the electric car charging station? I couldn't plug. Mm. I believe, fact check me on this one. It's the same fine as a handicapped spot. I was going to say it's a similar predicament. But People really Worcester, need to be aware. But the Worcester Police Department doesn't enforce it. Oh. I've called a couple of times for reasons to say to the police, please send somebody over and ticket this car. The police have never showed up. I just don't think they're aware of the problem. Right. Because I imagine the chief of police doesn't drive an electric car. If he or she did... I guarantee you, it'd be a tow truck. Well, there. we're a local Worcester show, so hopefully our uh, local well, police department you know, is, is listening and, well. and everybody's open to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Knows, they're the very knows, open. But they, I find they, that, give me good, there was, there's a sanitation department in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? And this is back when hybrids were really popular. And a woman now runs it. When a man left, guess what? They hire me to go out and teach them how to work on hybrids because they wanted to move all oh. their cars to the Ford Escape hybrid. I'm not trying to suck up to women here, but women typically get this long before men do. Or anybody who drives an electric or hybrid car understands this is a good thing. Yeah, no, that's a whole make it work. separate podcast or blog yeah. um, around sort of the gender dynamics. Um, so yeah, thanks. I'm aware of that because I see it in my business. And being very male, um, I can start to see where, wow, I think we need to figure this stuff out. Cause well, and, and you're absolutely thought. cutting edge. Yeah. I mean, thanks for your, your yeah. leadership, male and otherwise. Yeah. I, I think people are really learning a lot from you. Um, so another important website for our listeners to go to is a, is a site sponsored by ACDC. That's the hybridshoplocator.com. If you guys are interested to learn about who, in terms of auto body shops, may be trained to be able to work on and fix hybrids and EVs, many of which have been certified by ACDC here. You said auto body. We think of that as collision. Oh, These okay. are auto repair. My, my bad. That's Thank okay. you. Yep. We do work auto with repair. collision shops as well, by the way. We work in the entire industry. Great. But our website is going to find you a place that's going to fix your car, Great. maintain it, 
you know, whatever you need. Get your battery fixed. And so our, our listening audience can um, go to your direct site again. Why don't you tell us again the, the website? So we have a website called Fix, F-I-X, FixHybrid.com. That's been around a long time. That's where auto mechanics go to learn about our classes, to sign up for classes. Yep. There's also a lot of free training on there. So if you're kind of a techie, you want to go to FixHybrid.com. Uh, the search features works pretty well. You can pick up free classes, mm-hmm. read blogs. I do mm-hmm. a blog. I tweet, all that stuff. It's always directed toward technicians. But a lot of times when I'm talking about technicians, is trying to help them understand the consumer. Sure. Because it goes both ways. Exactly. When you bring your car in to get it fixed, there's a relationship you're starting with your technician. Now, 99.2% of technicians are men. So I typically just call technicians men because that's pretty much I'm right all the time. When you go in and find well, a tech, well, most of the time I'm right. <laughs> I'm just going with the odds Most of the here. time, yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, we'll have our first female intern coming in from the Netherlands uh, in April. That's coming great. Coming to do some training with us. Cool. But anyway, you can have a relationship with your tech. And that relationship needs to be based on the fact that this person's competent to fix my car, but I understand what the shop needs. They need your understanding. They don't need you to get hysterical. That doesn't help. They need your car for a while, so you need alternate transportation. Right. I ran a shop for 26 years, yep. so I knew the struggle it was for them. But we on our website, when we ran a repair shop, it said, here's what we'll do for you. There was another page that said, here's what you do for us. Mm. One thing was this. It said, please prepare your car for service. We don't want your golf bags. We don't need a bunch of junk in the trunk. We need a car that's clean, that you've washed, doesn't have McDonald's wrappers stuck on the on the dashboard. We want a clean car mm-hmm. with the original key that you use, with a half a tank of gas if you're still using gas. They bring it to us me on empty. Oh, well, it's great to be clear with your customers. We're for very sure. clear. You do um, this, I'll do that. That's the deal. So what about some specific incentives that may be available? I know with the current administration, things are interesting. Um, however, what any comments on tax credits or other incentives that would encourage people to um, that would so, encourage people to go green? Gotcha. So if you want to buy a Chevy or a Tesla EV, the tax credits have expired. Mm-hmm. The way they set this up a long time ago, the first 200,000 cars okay. that are electric are going to give you a $7,500 credit off your federal taxes. And it's kind of a shame. I wish they would extend it because these were the leaders. This was General Motors and Tesla leading this stuff, and everybody was going to buy it now. California, they said, wait a minute, $80,000 for Tesla, we're going to give a credit? So mm. some states, and I think it was the correct thing to do, limited that to $50,000. Uh-huh. Because over that, you probably have enough money to just buy the car. Right. Right. Uh, but there's still a lot of credits. You need to go to, a, and I can't remember the website right off the top of my head. There's websites in every state that you can go to to help you find out. But if you go to a dealership, find the salesperson that knows what they're talking about and ask them right away, what's available for tax credits? We used to have 2,500 in the state. I think we're down to 1750. Okay. And this is going to, they're trying to get the price of the car lower to make it more affordable. And that's controversial with some people. Right. Okay. No, there's, certainly, there's certainly lots of incentives out there. That's helpful. And then in terms of, you know, for a lot of people, they may be more interested in what are their used purchase options. Right. So anytime you buy a used car, no matter what it is, be skeptical. Mm-hmm. Go to Carfax. See, has it been in an accident? Mm-hmm. Does it have a salvage title? I mean, if you don't think you should buy it, don't even look at it. And I also would tell customers that I, that I work with, please look at three cars at a time and don't get attached to any one of them. Yeah, that's good Don't advice. like fall in love with a red car. Right. I just want a red car. I gotta have a red car. <laughs> don't fall in love with the car. The car's not gonna fall in love with you. That car's gonna kick your butt. So you should just treat it like it is. It's the car that's gonna break down, cost you money, the tire's gonna go flat, it's not gonna start. 
Right. It's it's really Just great. I, I I love that you have the background that you you have both of you guys and you bring that to your current work here and you know, just because you're, you know, people may be going green doesn't mean it's some miracle vehicle. It right. still requires all sorts of work, effort, time, yes. money. Um, so in closing, would you guys be willing to comment on how you feel people, everyday people, can determine which of these various green vehicles might be the best choice for themselves or their family and why? Okay, I'll go with that. Um, so I think a question um, I I often ask women, who are very often the decision maker, how long do you keep your car? Do you keep your car eight years, ten years? A lot of them say yes. Well, I think you would be embarrassed in ten years if you are not driving one of these more environmentally friendly vehicles. You want to look forward. You want to take care of your children's asthma. You want to take care of the environment. You want to be part of the solution, not the problem. So look, and women make emotional buying decisions. It's part. It's one part of what we do. Um, I let people know what is your lifestyle like. I ask them those questions. So what vehicle fits your lifestyle? How far away do you work? How do you work from home? Are you a mother? What What are you doing with this vehicle? And then third is, if you're ready to make the move to an all-electric vehicle, know that there's some adjustments you're gonna make, and they're really very minimal. It's not a scary thing to do. You just need to plan your life a little better. You plan to get gasoline, you planned out a trip, you can also plan to manage your electric car. It's pretty simple. Really great. Thank you. And um, in wrapping up, according to a 2019 survey by the Union of Concerned Scientists, it said that 63% of prospective car buyers here in the United States are actually interested in EVs. And there's just so much that's happening. This is absolutely the future, and the future is now. Um, so please don't be intimidated, everybody out there. I know I certainly learned a lot both from this podcast as well as especially the TV show. So again, um, you guys can find us on YouTube for the What's Hot TV show, and we're with Craig and Deb Van Battenberg from ACDC here in Worcester, and you can definitely also enjoy going under the hood um, of the three different yeah. EVs, including the hybrid um, that they showed us. So thank you guys so much for your time and your expertise, and for being eco-leaders and really showing people that there's green and green. It's not one or the other. There's actually green money in helping our planet. So thanks yes. for all you've done over yeah. the many well, years. Okay. Thank, thank you. you very thank much. You. Most welcome.